and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Hello and welcome to this broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. It is the first day of March in this year, 2021. I hope those who are hearing the sound of my voice right now that you're relatively safe. There's a whole lot going on right now. Um, I tell you, over the weekend, there were two funerals for two people that I know. Uh, personally. And then I'm seeing all these other people that I'm connected to on social media losing family members. And I know death is just a part of life. Um, But, you know, it's just a whole lot. It's just a whole lot to uh, process. Uh, Tonight, we will be discussing the questions concerning trans identifying children, the drugs that they're given, the surgery that they're given, and even parental consent, not even figuring into it in some states. Um, President Joe Biden nominated a transgender person for the position of Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, and this has just led to a whole lot of conversation on the issue. Some of it's uh, constructive, some of it is not so constructive. Um, And so I think Codification, as Mr. Neely Fuller talks about, as they talk about on a program on Black Talk Radio Network, the context of white supremacy, codification. Codification is key. And why do I say that? That's because Senator Rand Paul used some language while some people may have said, well, you know, genital mutilation is an accurate description of when you chop your penis off or a surgeon, you know, cuts your penis off and turns it into a vaginal canal or, or artificial vaginal canal. Some people might say, hey, that, that's accurate to call it genital mutilation. But if you know that sort of thing offends people, then what is going to happen is exactly what happened. And that's the mainstream media, especially on the left. And y'all know I'm a nonpartisan person, but the media, especially on the left, are going to focus on what? They're going to focus on the offending words that he used in his question and then just leave out the context of the question. And so that's why I do believe, you know, in in expanding our vocabulary so that we can use different words that mean the same thing, synonyms. You know, you we don't have to say genital mutilation when we're referring to transgender surgeries, you know, because then that just distracts. To bring it home, and I'll leave this alone. For example, I heard Mr. Fuller one time talking about if you're in a forum around a bunch of white people and you're going to talk about racism and white supremacy, is there some words that you can use to talk about racism and white supremacy without using, quote unquote, the R word, meaning racism, because some white people are very adept at 
taking the focus off the substance of a question and then focusing in on a word. If you call, if you say, hey, I think there is a lot of racism in this town. And then the white person suspected racist may say, see, there they go, always calling people racist. This is reverse racism. And then, you know, then they're defending themselves and going on the offensive against you. And then whatever the crust of your question or your statement is going to be lost. It's going to be lost in the translation. And I think people do it on purpose. I think they do it on purpose. Um, Another similar example, me and my daughter, my oldest daughter, I have three daughters. They're all grown, um, as they say. Um, But my oldest daughter uh, just turned 30 recently. And we were talking about transgender girls competing against biological girls, double X chromosome girls in sports and how her being a former athlete, how she would feel uncomfortable competing against. And even though she did not use any name calling, any kind of derogatory words, she was just expressing herself as a former black athlete who ran track and how she felt about it and saying, you know, some of the disadvantages I would have is that I have a period every month. I bleed every month. They don't bleed. So even though she didn't use any derogatory language and the things that she was saying was accurate, we had this gay white male attack her and calling her homophobic and calling her transphobic and just name calling. See, they don't want to be called names, but they'll call you names. It's okay for them to call you all these names, even though you didn't call them any names. And and instead of addressing the crust of her argument is that double X chromosome women and XY chromosome men transitioning to women, although their chromosomes don't change, are not the same. They are not the same. They don't bleed. She bleeds. So they just try to derail the conversation and don't even want you to have the conversation. And that's what I'm seeing right now in relation to a very important question that was put to Dr. Rachel Levine, the trans woman, uh, female, uh, excuse me, male to female. She's transitioning from male to female, a series of questions related to giving children drugs and surgery to change their gender class sex slash sex. She refused to answer the question. And see, even though I'm being respectful of referring to her uh, XY chromosome woman in the manner using the pronouns that she prefers to be used, people will still say I'm being offensive. So we cannot we cannot overly concern ourselves. Again, we do need we need to be codified in our communications, especially with suspected racists anyway. We should be codified, and we should be codified with each other as black, non-white people. We, we should always be codified because that just really brought home to me a why Mr. Fuller was making that suggestion about not using racism, the word racism, when you're talking to racist suspects. And if you can use another word, like, for example, my mom says it's not racism, it's hate. It's hate. They hate you without a cause. 
And so that I guess racism is another way. I mean, saying hate is another way of saying racism. So that's just very, very important, uh, in my opinion, a very great suggestion from Mr. Neely Fuller. But I am very concerned. I think it's disqualifying for Dr. Levine or Levine. I'm not sure how to pronounce the name. I'll just go with Levine. Uh, Dr. Levine refused to answer the senator's questions, even if he wasn't exactly codified with all his words. And again, this allows certain segments of mainstream media to focus on words considered offensive, genital mutilation in this case, instead of focusing on the context of the question and the fact that Dr. Levine is on record supporting giving children these drugs in surgeries. And so since that happened, and I had already been doing research, because this is, look, I don't have any trans-identifying children in my family. I don't have any trans-identifying people in my close circle um, that I know of. Um, and so um, this is just something that never piqued my interest, okay? And I suspect that's with a lot of us. If it ain't affecting us, we ain't paying attention to it or whatnot. But I think we need to pay attention um, to this. Because it is affecting black people as well. And I would like to also say that I think that it's white privilege to be able to have access to these drugs and to have these surgeries. Because I also learned during my research that they are DIYing it. Uh, what, what does DIY mean? Do it yourself. That apparently some of these drugs are being sold on the street, and then these people who don't have health care and can't access, you know, uh, health care because of the wealth gap, the racist wealth gap in this country, I feel like non-white, you know, uh, uh, people who are identifying as trans don't have the same access to health care. So it's a privilege to even be trans in this country, to get the actual health care that they say they need, Okay. So that is what we will be discussing tonight. I made a whole lot of clips. I've been studying medical journals. Um, I made some clips of parents talking about their trans children who believe they were opposite of what their born sex was. And then later on, as they got older, then they switched back to their born sex. And that's not being talked about. It's not being discussed whatsoever. And some of the articles I was reading, this one doctor was saying that other doctors are afraid to speak out on this and saying that people like Dr. Rachel Levine is lying. And I'll play, I'll play the exchange. I do have a clip of the exchange between Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Rachel Levine at the confirmation hearing. Now, um, the clip does not include the language that the um, um, mainstream media has been focusing on instead of the crust of the question, that has been edited out so that you can't then say, oh, see, see, Black Talk Radio News is, is promoting transphobic language and all that because they, they'll try anything to derail these conversations. Um, so, yeah, got a lot to talk about concerning 
um, this issue. If you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 626-213-5779. That's 626 213 Five seven seven nine. Once you are in the caller's queue to raise your hand, which signals me that you have a question or comment, you can just hit the number one on your keypad. You'll get instructions on how to do that once you're dialed in. Um, but before I get started on this program, let me just um, um, put out a couple of messages because um, I just got off a call with some other independent black uh, media hosts. Um, and producers, and, um, you know, we're starting to get together to work together to put out uh, coordinated messages on this topic or the other top or another topic, not this particular topic, but any topic, you know, that we feel like should be brought to the attention of Black people. Um, we're trying to work together. And one of the things that um, I want to put out there uh, that was discussed on the call is racial, uh, what's his name? Herschel Walk was brought up on the call in, in his ignorant uh, comments and his misquoting scripture as it pertains to the sins of the father, um, you know, to try to um, shoot down reparations, the concept of reparations for the victims of slavery uh, and the victims of racism and white supremacy. Um, so I do want to say that Herschel Walker is misquoting the scripture. The scripture he's talking about, I believe, is Deuteronomy. Let me just pull it up. And you could do a search, sins of the father. That's simple. And it'll pull up the scripture on that, which I, I, I said is uh, Deuteronomy. Let me pull it up. What does the Bible say about sins of the father? Um, let me see. Where is that Deuteronomy 5? Here it is. You shall, uh, you shall not bow down to them and serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And who, who hates God in the context of Deuteronomy? That's the workers of iniquity or the sons and daughters of sin, those who purposely go out and commit sin, okay? And Herschel Walker is committing sin by lying about what the Bible says about uh, sins being of the father being visited upon the son. He twisted it to make it sound like the sins are not passed down. And I would also point out, we are not three generations. Maybe we're in the third generation, um, maybe fourth generation, but we are not five generations out of plantation slavery in terms of pre-1865 slavery. So um, Herschel Walker who I'm told the Republicans will be running him for the Senate in Georgia. Um, yeah, he needs to be checked on his misinformation that he's given out. Uh, the other issue that was brought up that I want to mention to you, we want to call on you to boycott the Grammys. The Grammy Awards is coming up here in a couple of weeks, I believe. I think it's March the 14th, I'm, if I remember correctly. I'm not exactly sure. I don't, I've never watched the Grammys in my life. 
Um, I may have seen a, a, a scene or two uh, in my lifetime, but no, I, I don't watch the Grammys. Um, but anyway, a lot of people do watch the Grammys, and we're particularly uh, upset with the people who pick artists and pick songs that they're going to give awards to. And these songs and these artists are rapping about killing N-words or promoting misogyny. Now, how come How come all these people want to talk about, um, let's say, for example, Time's Up, the Time's Up movement and confronting sexism and whatnot? How come they don't never say nothing about all that sexism and misogyny that's getting awards? getting music awards it is not logical and and like some of the participants said on the call they said now if you take these very songs and you replace the n-word with an offensive word for another group let's say um i'm a shooter instead of saying i'm a shooter n-word in the face i'm gonna get my chopper what if you said, I'm going to shoot a kike in the face, or I'm going to shoot uh, a spick in the face? Well, since, since those are non-white people, they probably wouldn't say too much about it. But considering that we have Jewish people who are white, who are, who are white, all of them aren't white, um, but they are white, um, if you say something like that, Oh, man, I can guarantee you won't get an award. Matter of fact, you won't even get played on the radio station. You know, your record will be banned in the United States. It most certainly will. But you can talk about killing black people all day long. You can talk about giving uh, black women date rape drugs all day long, and you'll even get rewarded for it. You'll go down. You'll get a Grammy for it. That, That doesn't make any sense. That's not logical. It's only logical is a, a plan to destroy black people. And like my friend Bernard Creamer said, many of us don't even know we're being oppressed by the music that we listen to. Because our consciousness hasn't caught up. So that's all I wanted to say about that. Also, please continue to support in the production of independent black media, support independent black media platforms. You can make a tax deductible donation at blacktalkradionetwork.com to the Black Talk Media Project, which again is a nonprofit. Because if you don't, we won't we wouldn't be here. Going this year, later this year, towards the end of the year, will be our 14th anniversary. That's how long we've been on air due to small donations from you, the listeners, because we don't seek grants, because we don't want anybody to try to control our messages or control the programming on our platforms. For example, some people might try to, try to um, if I had was getting grants from the Arthur T. Viney Foundation or something, and I wanted to have a discussion about uh, trans identifying children, dangerous drugs in, in surgery, and the lack of parental consent to do these things to children, well, they might call, give me a call and say, hey, if you want another grant, you'll kill that right there. 
So your support, your financial support as an individual to the Black Talk Media Project allows us to maintain our financial independence and not be dependent on other organizations who may or may not try to control the programming on our network. All right, so let's get get into this. Um, Senator Rand Paul, again, uh, asked some questions of Dr. Rachel Levine, who was uh, having a confirmation hearing, Joe Biden nominee, having a, a confirmation hearing for Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, a position that she holds in Pennsylvania, okay? Um, Dr. Rand Paul asked a perfectly legitimate question, again, even if he wasn't qualified. That was no reason for Dr. Levine to say, I'm not going to answer that question. I'll talk to you in private. I'm paraphrasing, y'all. I'll talk to you in private if I'm confirmed. Well, you didn't have a problem saying this in public, you know, in these other different forms. Why you don't want to say that, what you support to in this confirmation here? That's disqualifying. But I'm going to let y'all hear it for those who have not. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a three-year-old about changing their sex. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, Transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender medicine. The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override the parents' consent to give a child puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia? You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught You would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the Internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary, superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. What I'm alarmed at is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate their genitalia. For most of our history, we believe that minors don't have full rights and the parents need to be involved. So I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. 
Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Uh, and if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and to talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER, but you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the age of 3 and 10. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a three-year-old about changing their sex. I can't thank, vote for you if you can't Thank you so much, reason. Senator Paul. So uh, I don't know if any of those words would be or terms he used would be considered offensive to the LGBTQ community, particularly trans people. Um, but answer the question. Don't distract. Answer the question. This person gave a canned answer, uh, repeated the same answer twice. Even though he reworded his question, this person gave the same non-answer. That was a scripted answer. And I would like to know the question. I mean, I would have liked to have heard this person answer the question. Refusing to answer a straightforward question like that about parental consent and the dangers of allowing minors, children, we're talking children, to put the weight on their shoulders to make such a monumental decision, that's, that's absurd. That's absurd. Why would we want to allow children to be given drugs regardless of the medical setting, without a parental consent, and then we'll throw people in jail for decades if, if, if they sell children some weed, or even if they sell some weed within so many feet of a schoolhouse. Doesn't matter if they were selling it to an adult. You're going to prison for decades because we got to protect the kids, right? That's what they say, right? How is this any different? This is disgusting to me that the mainstream media, certain elements of the mainstream media are focusing on his words, his uncodified words, where he was talking about genital mutilation, although I don't think I had that in this clip, but he did say it, lessening codification. But they, these are so-called educated, most intelligent people on the planet. They know what they're doing. They're refusing to discuss his question in an objective manner because a lot of the media that we consume is not objective. It's not. We're talking cable news shows. Those are not news shows. Those are opinion shows that discuss what's in the news. Some of, them, some of the hosts, you know, they do a good job of, of remaining objective and asking questions, but a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't. So instead of us questioning this Dr. Levine and saying, my God, what's wrong with you? Why, why won't you answer the question? But, you know, 
this person has spoken in public forums. Here's a short sound bite of Dr. Levine talking about doing that very thing, promoting child puberty blockers. Let me just pull this clip up. The protocol was developed in the Netherlands has two phases. The first phase at the young adolescent age is to give what are called a pubertal blocker, to give a medicine to block the progression of puberty so you don't go through the wrong puberty. And then somewhere between 14 and 16 years of age to start slowly cross-gender hormones. So you block puberty and then you can, um, with the appropriate time, send them through the puberty consistent with their gender identity. Then um, there are follow-up protocols. Most surgical treatment would be done um, at around 18. There are some procedures that might be done um, earlier than 18. Um, and there are some exceptions. Now, this is a great protocol. So there, there you heard Dr. Levine, in her own words, promoting puberty blockers for children, for children. And even said surgery uh, would be appropriate in some cases. Why aren't more people, and I'm speaking to my community, the black community, why aren't more of us discussing this? And I want to know why members of the trans community don't want to have an honest conversation about this and why are they being dishonest? There isn't a bunch of robust research. Again, I have been reading medical journals for the past 48 hours to educate myself since I can't uh, rely on other people to be honest in talking to me about it. So I, I just go look it up for myself. What's the problem? Makes you look suspicious, in my opinion. Makes you look very suspect. And then the audacity to say that you're doing this to save children's lives. Like, we got a whole bunch of children killing themselves because they're confused about their bodies. That's not, that's not, I'm not saying that this isn't the case. Again, a lot of children, a lot of families don't have access to mental health care, let alone, you know, medical health care in terms of, you know, physical body and what have you. But in terms of the mind, a lot of us, particularly black people, non-white people in this country, don't have access. And it's and, and I'm I'm I know that there's a bunch of poor white people in this country too that can't afford it. So what the Biden administration is signaling to me by nominating Dr. Levine is that they're going to try to make Medicare or Medicaid pay for it. But we can't get Medicare for all, but we can get Medicaid specifically to help children change their sex and gender. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm thinking that this is all a money game in terms of these so-called health care providers in this field because these so-called care, gender care facilities are opening up like gangbusters here in the United States. And I'm sure there is a lot 
of money involved in these procedures and these drugs. And if you don't have the money, if you don't have the health care, then you're left to do it yourself. So I, I imagine people not getting proper health care to help them work through their, their um, mental issues may be killing themselves. But it's a lot of veterans killing themselves too, eight per day. You know, U.S. veterans that have gone to war for this country, got sent off to war to go kill a whole bunch of other people for their stuff, their resources. And, yeah, they come back and they kill themselves because they don't have the access to the care that they need, apparently. This is like, this is like a no-brainer to me. But we got some people that act this just, just in my opinion, so dishonest. And then we got other people who think they know something, but they don't know nothing. They just repeating what they heard from somebody else. And they don't take the time to do the research because if they did, they would know that there are no long-term studies on the safety of these drugs. There are, especially concerning children. So as you will hear this boy from the UK um, say, I'm getting ahead of myself before I get there. Rand Paul mentioned Kier Bell. This is a, a born female girl, double X chromosomes, who at the age of 14 believed that she was in the wrong body because she was a tomboy because she was athletic. She liked to do the things that boys do. Then getting on the internet, on social media and whatnot, and people telling her, oh, you transgender. Oh, that's what you are. She believes it. Gets a double mastectomy, both breasts cut off, put on these hormone blockers, and now at the age of 23, she's regretting it. So, I have a couple of these, these uh, I'm going to call them victims. I'm gonna ha- I have a couple of these victims so that you just don't think that this is just a one-off. This happens more than you know. Matter of fact, let me, let me read from this article I pulled up. Um, the, the article is Biden HH, HH, I'm sorry, double HS pick Rachel Levine once touted chemical sex changes for children. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. I did a link to the article and it does have in there Dr. Paul using the word uh, comparing transgender surgeries to genital mutilation, but I ask that you don't get distracted from the, the, from the context, the context of what is being the, the, uh, discussed here. Don't fake outrage and try to derail the question from being answered. The Levine didn't answer the question, but in public forums, she did. So Levine, who previously served as secretary of the Pennsylvania Department of Health, dodged Paul's question and called the topic a very complex and nuanced field and offered to meet with the senator, senator in private to discuss the matter further. If confirmed, 
They didn't put that in there. They left that part out. She said, if confirmed. So if you're not confirmed, you still don't think it's important to go have that conversation with Senator Paul? Tell you, man, you you have to read in between the lines. You have to really be paying attention to people's words and their actions. So Paul's remarks were quickly labeled as transphobic by many in the media and drew outrage from activists. And again, I understand. I completely understand. He didn't have to say genital mutilation. He could have just said uh, genital surgeries. We would have known what he was talking about. Even though that might be to some people an accurate term to use, according to the concept of codification, you be codified with your words so they don't get to distract and call you these names and say, oh, don't listen to what he's saying. See, he, he's transphobic because he said mutilo, genital, uh, genital mutilation. Uh, let me see. Paul remarks were quickly labeled as transphobic. I read that. Despite the criticism, the exchange highlighted the chasm between tens of millions of people who resist the ideal that gender or biological sex is fluid and left-wing proponents who say prescription puberty blockers for children help remedy an identity crisis many suffer from. So look, I I don't like labels, but I consider myself to be on the left. I consider myself to be a progressive person. So let's not make, let's not even allow them to make this a thing about the left versus the right. Because that's what they're doing. It ain't about left versus right. This is about children. This is what this is about. So let me see. Pause. Let me see. Despite the criticism of privity blockers for children, Senator Rand Paul's comments were wrong and propaganda. Transition care, including puberty blockers, are life-saving and often necessary. They are safe and effective, National Women's Law Center spokeswoman Jillian Brantstetter told the Washington Examiner. There's a targeted misinformation campaign from right-wing groups. Senator Paul is smart and knows better. No, he's lying. She's lying. She's not a doctor, but you don't have to be a doctor to educate yourself on these issues. Um, And let's not act like there's 100% agreement in the medical community on this. Um, Activists such as Brandstetter point to the myriad studies allegedly showing that hormonal therapies for children who believe they are transgender lead to lower suicide rates and improved uh, mental health. Uh, let me see. Levine, Levine strongly concurs with these conclusions from some in the medical community. In several speeches over the years, she touted and I just I know the Washington Examiner is a conservative leaning paper, but kudos to them for using her pronouns that she hey, I believe everybody has the right to identify however they want to be identified, and we should respect that if we're trying to be respectful of, of people. Okay? Doesn't mean we have to agree with anything that come out their mouth, but I want to give kudos to the Washington Examiner for using the pronoun she. Uh, But anyway, uh, let me see. Levine strongly concurs 
With these conclusions from some in the medical community and several speeches over the years, she touted breakthroughs in cross-sex hormonal therapies and celebrated a new era where children were no longer restricted by the circumstances of their birth. The first phase at the young adolescent age is to give what they call a pubertal blocker, medicine to block the progression, low doses that you gradually increase. That's a lie I I found out. That's a lie. uh, Levine said at a conference at Franklin and Marshall College in 2017, the treatment supposedly ensures that they never go through the wrong puberty. That way, for a transgender woman, male to female, their voice doesn't drop. They don't have hair. For a transgender man, they don't have breast development. They don't have periods. I would like to say that I do have clips from from both trans girls and trans boys. A couple of them are above the age of 18 now, and they view themselves. They change their mind is the most simplest way that I could say it, that they're no longer quote unquote, confused about their gender and their bodies. Uh, Let me see. Not all health experts agree with Levine's conclusions. Moreover, some doctors warn that so-called gender affirming therapy for minors carries significant irreversible risks that often cause more harm than good. Studies have shown that the use of the sex hormone oppressor Lupron for transgender therapy, something the Food and Drug Administration never cleared it for, can carry significant dangers for boys, such as obesity, bone issues, and a higher risk of testicular cancer. Critics of the practice point to research that found many children who experience gender dysphoria sometimes as high as 80% no longer express feelings of wanting to change their gender after puberty. Let me wrap up this article um, by uh, reading this excerpt from another doctor. Um, I think it's Dr. Paul Hurus. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. If I'm not, he'll probably never hear me mispronounce it anyway. So um, he says, I think it is an important conversation to have. And I concur Dr. Paul Hurus, because I've been having, trying to have that conversation with people in my community here in Gaston County, and they don't want to have it. They just want to get on Facebook and, and name call people and misrepresent their character, but they don't want to come on Black Talk Radio News and have a conversation because, like my daughter said, they know who they can debate and they know who they can't debate. They know who they can pull the wool over somebody's eyes who ain't going to do their research, but that's not you, Dad. That's why they won't have that conversation. So anyway, he says, I think it's an important conversation to have, said Dr. Paul Hurus, an associate professor of pediatrics at the Washington University School of Medicine. When it's being discussed, people say there's robust research. That's what. That's the exact word. That she used over, uh, well, twice. The same can answer. They say there's robust, robust research showing transgender therapy on children is harmless. That's not a true statement. 
the research itself is not where it should be for the degree of this kind of intervention. Most of the recommendations being made are based upon low or very low quality evidence, he added, especially in the area of puberty blockers. We have no long-term data. We're having some emerging data on the adverse effects and data that leads to questions about risk and benefits. It is important that all of these doctors be listened to. I think there should be a balanced conversation about it. But it seems to me certain people don't really want to have that conversation. They just want to shout you down, shut you down, and cancel you. Because they don't, they, 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 they worried about other people seeing the logic of your argument, so they rather the conversation not happen at all. And again, once you're an adult, that's your body to do it as you choose. And you hopefully will wait till your brain is fully developed, you know, because you're taking these drugs and your brain's still developing as well as I'm pretty sure some of your other, you know, biological parts. And, and no, there is no robust research. So let me see what time is it? It is 845. Let me take a station identification break. Um, and then I will just play these clips in a row, in a row, letting you hear from transgender children themselves. One of them's 23 now, but she started this when she was 14. And you'll also hear from some parents of transgender children or children identifying as transgender, I think would be the proper way to, to the proper term to use. So, you're listening to Black Talk Radio News on the Black Talk Radio Network, a platform that three years running has won an award as the best platform producing black digital radio and podcasts. We'll be back on the other side. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. And welcome back. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News on this March 1st, 2021. Uh, happy birthday to my brother. He got a birthday coming up. My baby brother. I got more than one brother. Um, he'll, he'll be, I don't even know how old he's going to be. I get, he's still in his, 
guess he's still in his 40s. Yeah, he's still in his 40s. Um, so, yeah, happy birthday, Carlton, if, if you're listening, listening now or listen later to the podcast. So um, talk more about parental consent. Okay, again, you got to, we got, we got parents that get upset if you give their children fast food without their permission. If you go take their child to McDonald's or Burger King and, and, and that's not what that uh, parent uh, gives that child because they have them on a proper diet or whatnot. And then you don't even ask and you just take them to McDonald's because that's where you take your children. There's people that get mad at you, and rightly so. And rightly so. So imagine, if you will, that you have a child and this child says, wakes up one day and says, you know what, I think I'm a girl and not a boy, mom. And you're like, Okay, what do I do here? But let's say, you know, this person, let's say they're 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. And then, you know, you say, well, let's let's go talk to a therapist and, and what have you. Not a specialized therapist that's just going to confirm their identity uh, that they have in their, in their minds. No, I'm talking about a person that's going to help them really uh, objective therapist that's going to help them work through these issues. But imagine if this therapist, these these uh, therapists that work with transgender children to affirm uh, their beliefs about what they are, did so without a parent's permission and then prescribed drugs, let alone perform surgery on them. What? What? You can't tell me, if you any kind of responsible parent, you can't tell me that you're going to be cool with that because you ain't, you ain't cool with somebody buying your kid candy without your permission. You may not allow your child to eat candy because they got braces or whatever your reason is. This seems like it should be common sense, but apparently it's sense that's not so common. But anyway, here is one such parent talking about that very situation. I am a mother whose daughter has identified as transgender since the age of 14. I am here today because I love her and because I care deeply about her and other kids who identify as transgender. These are young people, like my daughter, who are in turmoil and who are not getting the compassionate care that they need and deserve. I am going to explain to you what happens when parents seek out expert advice to help their transgender identifying children explore their feelings and discomfort with their sex. What is affirmative care? The the current standard of treatment promoted by medical and psychological associations is called affirmative care. While this sounds nice, affirmative care leads directly to putting children on the path to medical transition with little chance of turning back. Let me explain to you how this works. If you take your child to a clinic to seek help, affirmative care means the therapist must follow the child's lead. The professionals must accept a child's gender identity. In fact, this is the law in many states. Under conversion therapy bans, questioning a child's gender identity is now illegal. 
So if a little boy is five years old and believes he is the opposite sex, affirmative care means going along with his beliefs. Parents are encouraged to refer to him as their daughter and let him choose a feminine name. Teachers are told to let him use the girl's bathroom at school. Therapists will reassure parents that social transition is harmless and reversible. Is it really harmless to tell a child who still believes in the tooth fairy that he is the opposite sex? Isn't it quite likely that this child is just confused? If a 10-year-old girl is uncomfortable with her developing body and suddenly insists she is a boy, affirmative care means blocking this girl's puberty with powerful drugs. Doctors will tell parents this is a perfectly safe and reversible way for her to explore her gender. Affirmative care does not help this child get to the cause of her discomfort. Medicating her with these drugs is not safe. In fact, her future fertility, sexual functioning, and bone development may be negatively impacted. Once the teenage years begin, affirmative care means giving young people cross-sex hormones. Girls as young as 12 are prescribed testosterone for lifetime usage, while boys are given estrogen. These are serious hormonal treatments that impact brain development, cardiovascular health, and may increase the risk of cancer. There are no long-term studies to prove this is necessary, safe, or prudent, while there are many known hazards to using these same hormones when medically treating adults. What does affirmative care look like? This is what is called gender-affirming top surgery, also known as a double mastectomy. They are performed on girls as young as 13 years old, otherwise healthy girls who believe they are transgender. This is a picture of a woman's arm after the skin and other tissue was removed to fashion a fake penis. Jazz Jennings is an example of affirmative care. Jazz was born a boy but raised as a girl since the age of five. He was treated hormonally since age 11. Last year, at the age of 17, Jazz had surgery to remove his penis and create a simulated vagina out of his stomach lining. After surgery, Jazz's wounds began separating and a blood blister began to form. An emergency surgery was performed. According to Jazz's doctor, as I was getting her on the bed, I heard something go pop. When I looked, the whole thing had split open. This is a picture of Jazz's face in pain from these surgical complications. This is a medical experiment on a child that has been playing out on television for the past 12 years. No one knows what might happen next. There are teenage girls undergoing radical hysterectomies in the name of gender identity. It is not acceptable for doctors to remove healthy limbs from children, so why is it acceptable for doctors to remove healthy reproductive organs from children? I am here today not just because I care about children who identify as transgender, but because I also care about their parents and other family members. Parents are doing everything they can to help their kids lead healthy, happy, and fulfilling lives. Yet when parents seek out experts for help, they receive 
a one-size-fits-all narrative that has no basis in science, common sense, or compassion. The experts tell parents that it is harmful to question their children's beliefs, that they must support their children's medical transition, which includes a lifetime dependence on hormones, and that if parents do not comply, their children will be at higher risk of suicide. These parents are being lied to as their children are harmed and their families are torn apart. Why not help children learn to love the bodies in which they were born? Isn't that what the body positivity movement is all about? I traveled across the country today to speak here to make a difference. I hope that my trip was not in vain. Transgender identifying children need our compassion and they need our help. They need responsible adults to gently question their beliefs, not blindly affirm them. They need proper therapy and guidance, not drugs and surgeries. And the medical practices that are abusing them need to be shut down. Please speak out for these children. As I stated in the beginning, I am speaking out because I love my daughter. And it is because of her that I know what I have told you today is true. She has been a victim of gender-affirming medical procedures, and I was powerless to stop doctors from harming her. Someday, I hope she will realize that I am advocating for her health and for her future. She has incredible courage, strength, and tenacity, as do many transgender-identifying youth. We, as parents of these young people, advocate for our children because we love them. Many of us are going through unimaginable grief because we love them. We are standing together and we will never back down because we love them. We parents have formed our own support groups and a new coalition, the Kelsey Coalition, to help spread this message and change the systems that failed our children. Will you please stand with us? Okay, okay. A couple of things. Um, let's go back to codification. Codification is using words that will not distract from your main message. And she became a little uncodified when talking about jazz. Jazz identifies as a she or her, right? So, but she kept saying he. So maybe that's an oversight on her part. She sounded very emotional. But, you know, I've been having conversations with, with other people in my family. And I said, this is why I use their preferred pronouns. Because they have that right to be identified as how they want to be identified. Okay? Um, but another thing uh, that came up. I did not make a clip of this one, but I came across a, a transgender teenager in the UK, which, by the way, has now banned um, giving these children these drugs and these surgeries under the age of 18 as a result of a lawsuit. Okay, but what that what what that young person said. One of the one of they decided to stop taking those hormone blockers because it said, I mean, she said it 
killed her sex drive and said that they didn't tell her that. And she said, you don't even realize you have a sex drive until it's gone. That, that's, that's just something I picked up um, from that person. So, again, I'm not, on, I'm not on here to dehumanize anyone. I'm not on here to hate on anyone. I'm on, on here to have an in-depth look at this based off of research and listening to people who have these experiences that are not being put out front and center by the, me- by the media. Well, I take that back. 60 Minutes, which I did make a clip from one of their programs, uh, also, you know, did cover it. So let me give credit to 60 Minutes. So anyway, the next few clips you will hear, I'm just playing them all in a row, are chill, our children. One of them's 23, Kiara Bell, who Dr. Rand Paul mentioned. Um, but I'm going to play that clip and then a couple of other clips from people who have, from children, who have undergone these transitions. So this first one is Kiara Bell. When I was 16, I, I started on puberty blockers, and I was on that for a year, um, and I continued with it for an extra year along with cross-sex hormones. Um, and then I was on cross-sex hormones for about four and a half years. Um, and uh, during that time that I was on cross-sex hormones, I underwent a double mastectomy procedure where I had my breast removed. And that was the uh, the end of the process for me, and I um, I came off of the hormones uh, just last year. Yeah. How tough is that process of of change? It, it is very difficult. I know initially I felt very relieved and very happy about things, but I think as as the years go on, you start to feel less and less uh, enthusiastic or even happy about it. It just depends how you want to live. Really, you can either choose to continue with that sort of, of life and, you know, continue to dig yourself deeper into this hole or you can choose to kind of, um, you know, come out of that and, and have the weight lifted off of your shoulders and just live, you know, naturally and how you are, as you, truly, yeah. How old were you when you started to question your, your gender? Uh, I was about 14 um, and things had kind of been bubbling under the surface for, for years, really, because I always kind of felt different from a very young age and it wasn't you know very prominent until I reached kind of early teen years you know when I was 14 and um, that's when you know I think it was more of a problem that society had rather than I had with myself looking back on it. So if society had allowed you to dress as you wanted, be the person you wanted without judgment, you wouldn't have felt the pressure to change. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have felt the pressure, you know. Um, there's no way of saying how I would have really felt if things were different, but, you know, looking back, I do feel like that would have been a big um, a big thing and, 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 yeah, it wouldn't have made me feel so pressured. And as a teenager, how strongly did you feel that need to change physically? Um, I didn't feel um, too strongly about it until I looked into how the process went with every case and I kind of found out how that was through the internet and um, 
yeah, it wasn't until I kind of visited my GP and um, I, I started in the process that I kind of built up the urgency to change. I just felt like each step, um, I consistently felt the need to um, to change more in order to feel better because, you know, each step, um, it, it didn't really make me feel better as, as I went along, looking back on it. What do you think about that now? I, I would have liked to have, uh, you know, some sort of intensive therapy, really. I think that I should have been challenged on the the proposals or the you know the claims that I was making for myself, um, and I think that would have made a big difference as well. There will be young people who say going to the clinic literally saves their lives because it is essential. Someone listens to them and believes their need to change. What would you say to that? Uh, well, I did say the same thing you know years ago when I went to the clinic. Um, it felt like, you know, it was saving me from, you know, suicidal ideation and, and just depression in general. And, you know, at the time I felt like it relieved all of those mental health conditions that I was, you know, struggling alongside, you know, gender dysphoria. It's something you need to kind of work through, but it's, it's not something that should be rushed into. What would you tell your 16-year-old self now? Um, that's a hard question. Um, because, I mean, I feel like I could say anything to my 16-year-old self, but, um, you know, I might not necessarily listen at that time. And that's kind of the point of this case is that, you know, when you are that young, you don't, you don't really want to listen to anyone and um, a lot of things won't get through. So um, it's, um, I think it's up to these, you know, institutions like the Tavistock to step in and make children reconsider what they're saying. Um, because it is, you know, a life-altering path that you're going down and um, it's, it's not guaranteed to work. Do you feel any anger about what's happened in the last five, ten years for you? I do, yeah. Um, I feel angry that, you know, no one was there to really um, say any different and I was allowed to run with this idea that I had or, you know, almost like a fantasy as a teenager, I was allowed to to run with that and um, it has affected me in the long run as an adult, you know, I'm, I'm very young, I've only just kind of stepped into adulthood and I have to, you know, deal with this kind of burden or such a, a radical uh, difference to, in comparison to others at least. So how do you want to identify now? Um, just as a human, you know, being living um, in society, um, you know, I am accepting of my, you know, my sex, which is female, and um, I'm just taking each day as it comes, and I'm not trying to force other people's um, perceptions of me, and I'm not trying to force myself to feel any particular way about myself either. So I'm just um, happy to be doing something and turning the, the negatives that have happened in recent years into positives. Okay, one thing before I play this next clip. Um, Tierra Bell filed a lawsuit. I'm not sure if it was any other plaintiffs, but filed a lawsuit against the UK government agency that maintains these clinics and do these things without parental, parental consent. And it resulted in a ruling that um, bans these puberty blockers and, and these other uh, surger surgeries 
on children that's under the age of 18. You know, real, real, real quick. Look, here in the United States, depending upon what state you are, you are in, um, some of these states tell you a 13, 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old can't even, can't not even consent to have sex. And that's why people get um, charged with having sex with children that young. So that just came to my mind. Oh, you mean to tell me that they can't, a young person can't consent to sex, but they can consent to having their breasts cut off, consent to have other, you know, take these drugs that's going to change their body, sometimes irreversibly. And again, there is no long-term study on, on these drugs and the long-term impact that it'll have on a child whose body's still developing and, and really importantly, uh, brain development. I'm just saying we need to slow down. We need to hold up and, and have a town hall conversation about this, a codified conversation, no name-calling no, you know, uh, using derogatory terms like grandpa talking about, you know, gender mutilation or, or what, genital mutilation. No, we don't, we don't have to use those terms when we know it offends people. But we need to have this conversation. It's just unfortunate that there are people in this society that don't want to have the conversation. Unless they are talking among people who's just going to affirm uh, what they believe anyway, what it's a word word for that uh, confirmation bias, where they just looking to hear from people that's going to confirm what they already believe. That's not a that's not an objective conversation. So the next person. I'm not going to share their names, I think, because they're not using their real names because these are minors. Um, but I think this person, you might hear their names. I'm, I just didn't write their names down. Um, but this is um, a person, this is a black person who decided to stop transitioning after 18 months of hormone therapy. To celebrate his one-year anniversary on testosterone, Jay's organizing a family get-together. Despite their differences over Jay's transition, Dad... Okay, let me just set this up properly. Um, this is a double X female who is transitioning to XY. Um, excuse me, no. Can be confusing, I admit. Um, who is transitioning to a male. All right, so let me continue with the clip. To celebrate his one-year anniversary on testosterone, Jay's organizing a family get-together. Despite their differences over Jay's transition, Dad Roy has unexpectedly agreed to come along. Hey, I didn't want Jay to go down that road. I didn't want Jay to do anything permanent. Yeah, I'm not going to make a big hullabaloo about it all the time and say, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But hopefully, Jay will move away from it. Why make a change to a, in theory, perfect body that you already have? Why not just live with the body you've got? That's more sensible to me. So it's nice for you guys to be here. I really appreciate it. Just want you to be happy. Thank you. I definitely think he went out of his comfort zone to be here. And to even acknowledge that I'm transitioning, because it's not something that we actually speak about 
So how does it feel looking more like your dad and looking like <laughs> this? <laughs> this is true. When I look in the mirror now, I look a lot more like you than I used to. But that's cool. I'm happy with that. I feel like my whole life has changed, so it's nice. I feel like there are obviously more changes coming. Why you like that for? <laughs> you worried about the fact that what if he's made a mistake? and he's made physical changes, then he can't go back yeah. where he was before. Yeah. They don't want to have any surgery. The permanent yeah. physical changes could cause damage. Yeah, yeah. In six months' time, Jay has a consultation about having his breast removed. After 18 months being fully committed to the process of transitioning, Jay is now having second thoughts. Is this really me anymore um and i think you know i think throughout my whole transition i've never actually referred to myself as he him in anything i never referred to myself as he him i was just thinking okay let me just let me look at everything when it comes to my transition so i recently got my referral letter to see a surgeon about top surgery and then i just was like, I'm not getting top surgery. Why do I want to get top surgery? It's not stop me anymore. I don't need it. I don't want it. And I guess it got me thinking about whether I was going down the right road for me now. And the road forward isn't as clear as it was. Jay has come to see a new doctor to seek a second opinion. Come and have a seat. Thank you very much. Okay. Senior gender specialist, Stuart Lorimer. I have decided uh, over the last few months to uh, stop medical, medically transitioning because my gender identity has shifted. Okay. I'm no longer identifying as completely male, so I guess non-binary, gender neutral um, better fits how I feel. Mm. But I feel like what's going to happen is that I embrace my female assigned body mm -hmm. more to the point where I think one day I might actually carry a child. Okay. So I, I want to get my system working healthily as ASAP. This is something not very many people do. Mm. In a way, the whole diagnosis bit is beside the point. I think what's relevant here is what we do. Being off all testosterone is the way to go, at mm. least for the time being. As long as you you know, are aware that things like menses, menstruation will come back. I actually would, I would like to, to, for it to come, <clears throat> so I know at least it's kicking back up, hmm. so my body is working the way it naturally just wants to work. Okay. I can't foresee myself ever going on testosterone again. For me, it's like I want the hormone out of my system. Thank you so much. No problem at all. And, um, yeah, have a good evening. <laughs> I knew yourself. Yeah. It's just a waiting game now. I've got all the information I need. So yeah, I just think the next step is me going to buy sanitary towels. Okay, so um, yeah, that that was a black family in the, in the UK. Um, so, cause Europe has been doing this stuff um, ahead of the United States, and so again, this isn't just one or two people. Listen, children ch can change their minds as they get older, and as that article talked about, there are studies that show that up to eighty percent of a of of a of children who say that I'm something other than what I was born with, and then they change their mind as they get older.
I don't understand why this is so hard to understand. And that if you then go ahead and change this person's body in a way that's irreversible, that later on they may feel differently and feel that they made a big mistake. Again, your brain don't stop developing until you're 26 years old. But, you know, 18, at least you're not a minor. And just a part about the lack of parental consent, like these people can just do anything to your child without your input. And it's good that these children, though, did have a support system in the family that accepted them no matter what, loved them no matter what, and allowed them to work through this issue. So before we go, allowing children to make irreversible decisions for themselves about changing their sex when they can't even consent to have sex with someone, uh, it's a no-brainer to me. This ought not be. Give the person time to live and have experiences. So this is the last clip. And after this clip, because I don't believe in just belaboring a point, I think I've made my point um, pretty clear about where I stand. But if you would like to ask a question or or make a comment before I go off the air, give us a call at 626-213-5779. This is the last one. A boy who was transitioning to girl changed his mind. Recently. What about some of this vintage clothing here? Yeah, that can be nice. I like this. It's a summer morning in London's Camden Market, and Australian teenager Patrick Mitchell is busy hunting for bargains. Would you wear T-shirts? Uh, no, not really. I can't really wear them right now. He's after new clothes to match his old life. You've been a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. (laughs) What's it like? Well, I don't know. You kind of have an image of what being a boy and being a girl is like, but when you actually experience it, it's very different. It's nice to be able to buy shoes now because I couldn't buy the women's shoes because I'm too big. Born a boy, Patrick spent the last two years living as a girl. Now, at 14... He's decided he's a boy after all. But there's a constant reminder of his life as a female. Tell me if you're uncomfortable, but you've grown breasts, haven't you, as a result of the hormone therapy that you were being given? Yeah, so I just started developing like a girl would, which was the thing that I wanted at that time, but now that's not so helpful. Ali is Patrick's mother. She moved to London with him a month ago to give him a fresh start. But before he goes to school here in England, she's taking drastic action to have her young son's breasts surgically reduced. Ali wants to warn other parents what can go wrong when doctors misdiagnose a child as transgender. 
they were wrong to pigeonhole him so quickly. I think they should have said, here we have a child who does have gender dysphoria and he's going through a period of transition where he needs to work out exactly how he feels. I think we have to acknowledge there are a lot of children who are confused about their gender identity as, as a normal phase that they would go through. It's not uncommon to be confused. The good news is they're going to grow out of it. Don't mess them up. All right, that was a psychologist you heard heard there. So, again, what he's saying is kind of confirms them other studies that, that's linked to that article um, that I shared that 80% of these children change their mind as they get older. We have to protect children in this society because children are, are unable to protect themselves. And I, for the life of me, have tried to understand, but I can find no logic in allowing children to make such monumental decisions on their own. Because think, you remove somebody's, thankfully, the black uh, person we heard in the UK, thankfully, did not have her ovaries removed or what they call it, a hysterectomy, because now she wants to have a child. And if she had had that hysterectomy, she wouldn't even have that in her future. This. I just don't understand why people, it's not really a complicated subject. People try to make it complicated, but it's not. We know children aren't equipped tools to make decisions for themselves, and, and we have laws in place reflecting that. So why is this any different? So that's all I have for you. Thank you for taking the time out to listen um, to this broadcast. I can't say when exactly I'll be back on the air, but I will be bringing Brother Kwabana Rasuli on of Clear the Airways Project so we can talk about the incorrectness of these people who give awards and grants to music artists who in, their, in those songs that are getting rewarded, they're talking about killing black people. They're talking about misogynistic, you know, doing misogynistic things to women. Some of it even is rape. Why? It makes no sense. I don't know any other music genre where people can get away with this. And we as black people need to show some self-respect and turn that garbage off. Boycott the Grammy since they want to give rappers a Grammy for talking about shooting and killing N-words. This has been Scotty Reed with the Black Talk Radio News broadcast. Please continue to support the production of independent black media. Make a donation today to the Black Talk Media Project via the Black Talk Radio Network. Peace and blessings to all. Stay safe out there. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. <laughs>